Are you glad you're at church today? Yes. High five somebody and tell them I'm glad you're at church today. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. We got to try that again. I'm so glad you're at church today. Are you glad to be here? Yes. High five somebody and tell them you're glad to be at church. <laughs> All right. That's what I'm talking about. Awesome. Man, let me tell you something. We have just been having some incredible services, and God has just been doing some amazing things in our hearts and lives. And let me tell you guys, it's not that we make God any bigger or any more real than He already is. It's just the fact that when you and I get to that place where we become more aware of the fact that God is so big and that God is so real, that's what it is. It's not that our praises make Him any bigger. It's that He just gets bigger to us because He's not going to be any bigger than He already is, right? He just becomes more real and bigger to us. And we get this new perspective of how big God is. We get this new perspective about how awesome He is, about how much He loves us, about how gracious He is towards us. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down, a new perspective, because that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We've been talking the past couple of weeks about all things becoming new. We've been talking about, uh, you know, uh, changes in our lives. And one of the things that should change when we come to Christ should be our perspective. Because if we don't change our outlook, the one that we had before Christ, then here's what's going to happen. We're going to be facing the exact same issues and dealing with the exact same things we dealt with before Christ. So when we come to Christ, not only are we changed on the inside and he makes our hearts new, but we need to also have a change of the way we may look at things and our outlook on life and our perspective. We have to have that change in our life if we're ever going to walk in victory over the things that Jesus intended for us to walk in victory over. Otherwise, we're going to be Christians and the only goal is just to hope we get to heaven when we die. And how many of you know that Jesus died for so much more than that? He wants us to live in victory over things right here in this earth. We sing old songs like in the sweet by and by. But let me tell you, I need Jesus here in the mean now and now. I need him right here. I need him to be my ever-present help in time of trouble right now. Because when I'm in heaven, I'm not going to need to worry about trouble. I have to worry about trouble here. So Jesus did a lot more than just pave the way for you and I to go to heaven when we die. He wants us to live in victory, understanding who we are in Christ right here. But that new outlook, that's what's going to cause that changes. And it's going to cause us to change in our behavior, in the way that we handle things, in the way that we approach situations, the way that we interact with other people. When things come up, even our values and our decision-making changes when we gain perspective, when we gain that new perspective when we gain God's perspective. So would you bow your head and just pray with me for just a minute. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share your truth with your people. I just pray that our hearts will be prepared, God, to receive it. Anoint me to speak it, Father, with clarity and authority, just the way that you've given it to me, Father. I pray that it will rest on good ground, the good ground of our heart, that this seed will just germinate and do everything you intended for it to do. will cause change, Father, from the inside out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to write this down. This is your first point today. Our perspective changes when our influences change. You see, often our worldview and our expectations are influenced by society, they're influenced by culture, or, you know, maybe it's just simply the world that we live in. 
You have to understand that a lot of times we, we may get this worldview or how we think things should go or our, even our expectations of other people may be based on the way we were raised, how our parents interacted with one another, the values that they instilled in us, and things that we may see you know, in, in media. We may see a movie and we may see that guy uh, you know, just sweeping that girl off her feet and then all of a sudden we just think, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. And we just get this idea in our head of how things should be based off of whatever we allow to influence our life. Some of those things uh, influenced our lives by choice, and some of those things they weren't by choice. We were just a product of that environment that we were a part of. But that perspective changes when those influences in our lives change. And we need to understand that because we become new when we're ambassadors of Christ. We become new when all of a sudden now we make the decision to allow Christ to come into our life, to make all things new, and then we become ambassadors or representatives of Christ. Therefore, our perspective needs to change. Let me show you this in the Word of God if you have your Bible or if you're following along this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to look at verse 20. Second Corinthians 5 and 20 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says that you and I are ambassadors or representatives of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about what that means for just a second. Ambassadors, representatives. That means just like our U.S. ambassadors, when they go to another country, they may be on foreign soil, they may be surrounded by the culture of that region, wherever they may be. They may be surrounded by the laws and the way that things are, and the entire influence of that society is surrounding them, but guess what? They're not governed by that society. They're not governed by those laws. They're not governed by how everybody else acts because they are there as a representative of the United States government. And therefore, they represent the laws and the values and the culture of the United States of America when they're on that foreign soil. So even though they're on the foreign soil, they're not really a part of it. Are you getting this? They're there, but they're not really there. Because even though that they're there... Who they really are is vested and is entrusted in the United States of America. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. You and I are ambassadors of Christ. Even though when we come to God, we are still here on this earth. We don't immediately get taken to heaven and all things are just better. It's just now I'm a part of a different set of values. Now I'm a part of a different culture. I'm a part of a different mindset. I'm a part of a whole new set of laws. Because of Christ in me, even though I'm still here. I'm representing God in the earth. I'm representing His love, His grace, His mercy, His truth. I am representing the Word of God. I'm representing Jesus Christ in the earth. When I understand that I am an ambassador or representative of Christ. But here's the deal. The key to gaining that new perspective is understanding that we need to see ourselves like Christ sees us 
and not identify with who we were before Christ. Because even though you may be a representative of Christ, you may still see yourself as you saw yourself before you had him in your life. Because your mindset and, and, and your perspective is distorted and because it's locked into who you used to be. Or it's locked into your past mistakes. Or maybe it's locked in to a struggle or something that was a tragedy that would try to define you and would try to hinder you. And that's who you are. You're that person that's always going to suffer. You're that person that's always going to live with that fear or that worry. You're that person that is always going to be marked by that mistake or that thing you did. And that's what a lot of times we have struggles and we have trouble getting past because we get stuck. We get stuck because we lose our identity because we allow things and other people to identify who we are. And guess what? We take the bait. We buy into it. We buy into the fact that other people may try to label us or may try to give us our identity or because of that one event, or because of that thing that happened in our past. But when Christ comes into our lives, He makes all things new, and that includes our identity. Amen, somebody. And that means then it's my job now, because Christ has already done His work in me, it's now my job to see myself like God sees me. It's, that's my responsibility. God can't make me see myself like He wants me to see me. He can show me his love, he can show me his truth, he can show me his word and show me his grace, but I've got to get it. It's my job to see it. That's my duty as taking responsibility for the perspective and the influences that I allow in my life to shape my perspective. Because our perspective always will change when the things we allow to influence our lives change. We've got to stop identifying with our past and we've got to start identifying with Christ. Second thing I want you to write down this morning is when we decide to follow Jesus, our thinking needs to change to align with God's values. When we decide to follow Jesus, we've got to change the way we think. We've got to change the things that we value. And we've got to align those values and those priorities with Christ's values. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians. I'll show you a little bit of this in the book of Ephesians in the fourth chapter. But while you're going there to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to give you a little bit of history on this book of Ephesians to help us better understand the context in which the book of Ephesians was written. The book of Ephesians was written by the apostle Paul, and he wrote it while he was in prison. He wrote this as a letter to the church that was in Ephesus. Now, there's something very interesting about the church in Ephesus because it was not in a Jewish area. It was in an area that was mainly influenced by paganism, and it was influenced by very secular religions, and it was influenced by a lot of sexual immorality. A lot of junk was going on around Ephesus. But yet there was a church there, and because of this church, there was a light in this city of Ephesus. It was a huge city. It was very important. It was right between Rome and Antioch. And it was a very important place. But the thing that you need to realize is that even though it was in a pagan area, there were people there that were Christians that were Jews. And these people that were Jewish Christians were also there with people who were formerly worshiping pagan false gods, and they were called Gentiles, and they were there with these Gentile people who were not Jewish people, 
but they also had found Christ. So you have two different people that are from different backgrounds. And all this was being written and going down, historians and theologians say, somewhere around 62 AD. So it's just been a few decades since Christ was actually physically walking on the earth that this letter was written. So you've got to understand, these are all fresh Christians. But here's what was going on. Even though this is new, even though Christianity is just now getting you know, off to a great start, and then the Word of God is spreading, the gospel of Christ is spreading, churches are being planted, all these wonderful things are happening. You've got Jewish Christians, you've got Gentile Christians, and they're in the same church. And the Jews had this perspective, or this mindset, that Christianity was just another version or a sect within their former religion called Judaism. They thought, oh, this is just a part of Judaism. And they would try to teach it as such, but the Gentiles didn't have a lot of knowledge of Judaism. They said, no, 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 no. It's not a sect within Judaism. Christianity does away with Judaism and says there's no need for it at all. And these guys would bicker back and forth about who was right. Oh, we're the better Christians or we have all the truth. We have all the truth over here. Does that sound like anything that happens today in church? It was happening just a few decades after Christ was physically walking on the earth and the church was just established. So it's nothing new. But yet this was going on within the church, and Paul knew this was very dangerous. And here he is in prison, okay? Paul hears about what's going on in Ephesus, and he gets very concerned. And so he writes this letter to them, which we now have as the book of Ephesians. And with that understanding of what was going on during that time, and with what Paul was trying to convey to them, of trying to get them to understand, listen guys, you're missing the mark, you're missing what's really important. I'm about to tell you what is important and what we need to focus on. And that's what the purpose of the book of Ephesians was. And it deals mainly, not with doctrinal stuff, it mainly deals with behavioral issues that he was addressing within these two groups of people that were in that church in Ephesus. And we can see how this word applies to us today. So with that in mind, let's read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says this. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He gave them that greeting. He's writing to both groups. He's writing both to the Jewish Christians and to those that were Gentile. He said, listen, guys, it's very important that we learn how to endeavor with one another, that we learn how to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called, that we bear one another in love. Okay, you remember that? He said, guys, remember the whole love thing? Remember when Jesus, the very one that we're following, remember when he said that all of the world would know that we belong to him and we're his disciples if we have love for one another? You're not really doing that right now. So let me remind you, you need to bear with one another in love. And you need to walk with all lowliness and gentleness. Don't be proud and boasting and like you've got it all figured out and you're the only one who has all the answers. He said, you need to endeavor to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, verse 4, and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, I want you to skip down to verse 22 in that same chapter. This is Paul still addressing the same group of people here. He says, 
that you need to put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Now stop right there. Paul is telling these guys, listen, you guys are acting like y'all ain't even saved. He's like, you guys ain't even acting like you know what it means to be a follower of Christ because the same grace that was afforded you, you're not showing that same grace and that love to one another. He said, listen, I'm going to remind you here, put off your former conduct of who you were. Put off the fact that you used to act this way because that was before Christ, okay? Because there was this division before Christ, okay? You guys were Jews, you guys were Gentiles. Now we're all together in this thing. We are all followers of Christ together. There is no more Jew or Gentile. There is no more circumcised, uncircumcised. All this, He said, listen, it's all about your heart now. You got to understand Jesus Christ came and fulfilled all of that stuff. And now because of that, let's get rid of the division and let's put off who we used to be Because that's growing every day as we feed the lust to be right. I mean, nobody in here has that desire to be right all the time. That's the folks down the street, right? He said, listen, you guys, you're feeding that lust to be right all the time. You're feeding that lust that's actually causing strife and division within the body of Christ. He said, it's causing division within the church. He said, and and we can't have that. We don't have time for division in the church. Amen. Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. He said, listen, guys, that grows corrupt according to your deceitful lust. Verse 23, he said, and this is what you need to do. He said, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Somebody say renew. He said, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace, and by say grace, to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He said, listen, guys, you need to get your head on straight. You need to start treating one another with love, with kindness. You need to be endeavoring to keep the bond of peace because all this division stuff is not going to work out. This is who you used to be before Christ. He said, you need to do away with that old man and you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man. Now, let's back up to that verse 23 again. He said, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, here's what Paul was telling them. He said, listen, guys, you need a new perspective. You need to change the way that you were thinking because that our way of thinking as followers of Christ has to change or it has to be renewed. And verse 22 says, put on the new man. Here's what Paul was telling them. He was literally telling them to begin to identify with what has happened on the inside of them so that the characteristics of that change on the inside will show on the outside. To take that new recreated spirit, that life of God on the inside of you, and put it on and wear it. 
That's what he's telling you. Allow what God has done on the inside of you to actually change the way that you think, change the way you act, change your character, change who you are. Let it be that influence in your life that's going to completely change your life. Because let me tell you, folks, when we come to Christ, he makes all of those things new. But sometimes we still got some old thinking we got to deal with, right? Right? He makes us new. He puts his life, he puts his spirit on the inside of us. But at the same time, we still are here on this earth and we still deal with those temptations. We still struggle at times with letting go of the past. We still may struggle with unforgiveness or bitterness and all these different things. And how we walk in victory over it is because the life of God that's on the inside of me, I put it on and I allow it to change and shape the way that I think, the way I behave, the way that I act. And I allow him to influence me and I align myself with the way God thinks and with what he values that's how we begin to understand who we are in Christ and we begin to understand how we walk this thing out and walk in victory because when we identify with Christ here's what it'll do it will change how we see ourselves when we identify with what God has done on the inside of us it'll change how we see ourselves It'll change how we view ourselves. And, and this is what he said. Uh, Paul, same guy that wrote to the church in Ephesus, also wrote uh, to the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. He said, listen, it's not something that I earned. It's not something that I did. It's not something that I was good enough to get. He said, it was by his grace, and I'm not forgetting that. I'm identifying with the fact that Christ died for me, and he loved me, and I am identifying with the fact that who I was died with him. That's what the Bible says. It says we were crucified with Christ. And then the Bible also says that we were buried with Christ. We identify with him in that burial. And guess what else? We identify with him in new life and resurrection. The fact that he has made all things new when we come to him. But until we see ourselves like God sees us, we're always going to be struggling with an identity crisis. And we're going to be confused because we thought that living for God was supposed to be better. We thought that being a Christian was supposed to help our lives, but all of a sudden I'm finding I still have the same struggles and I still have the same old junk over and over again and and I'm not walking in victory and I thought God was supposed to be great. The problem isn't that God isn't great or that God doesn't want to move in your life and do great things. The problem is, is that we've got a bad perspective. We've got a bad outlook. We think that God doesn't love us. We think that God is mad at us. That he's disappointed in us and he's always pointing his finger and shaking it and always just looking down at the ground when he thinks about us. We don't see ourselves like Christ sees us. We don't see ourselves the way that God looks at us because let me tell you something. If your life is hidden in Christ, if you have been made new because of Jesus Christ and you belong to God and you're one of his kids, guess what? How he sees you, when he looks at you, he sees you through the blood of Christ that paid the penalty for your sin and your past. Amen? That's how he sees you. He doesn't see the mistakes. He doesn't see the failures. He doesn't see how goofy you get. He doesn't see all of that stuff. He sees you as a son and as a daughter. 
And he doesn't think any more or less of any one of us when we belong to him. I've said it over and over again. Pastors don't get gold stars by their names in heaven. And all of a sudden, God likes me better than he likes you. Or he hears my prayers and doesn't hear yours. That's not how this thing works. He loves me just as much as he loves you. You just got to see yourself like he sees you. Stop looking at yourself as a failure. Stop looking at yourself as a bad parent. Stop looking at yourself as a poor spouse. And you need to start seeing yourself how Christ sees you, and then it will change your perspective. And then, because your perspective is changed, then you're going to begin to change your behaviors and your actions. But until you see it, you ain't going to get it. you got to see it. You've you got you to see past all of the junk that sometimes you feel like you've got to wade through and push through. Oh, man, I've got so much wrong to make right. Oh, if you only knew, Pastor, what I did. If you knew my story. Listen to me. I've heard story after story after story. And the difference between someone that walks in victory over the junk in their life and someone who stays uh, buried in the junk in their life is whether or not they begin to see themselves like Christ sees them. That's the difference right there. You want to learn how to walk in authority over problems, walk in authority over the power of the enemy that would try to trip us up or mess us up? You want to learn how to do that? Begin to see yourself like Jesus sees you. Begin to see yourself through the Word of God. Begin to hold up that God mirror of His truth and begin to see yourself in that. Because He loves you more than you'll ever know. It'll change how we see ourselves. Now, I want to show you something else in Ephesians. I hope you still got that there. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look back to verse 29. I love this right here. I I love this. Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace. Somebody say grace. grace. To the hearers. Now, here's what the Word of God is saying to us here. He's saying, listen, you need to be imparting grace. I am charging you to be a minister of God's grace simply by the way you talk to one another. Simply by the way we speak and the way that we interact. I am a minister of the grace of God. Are we building others up or are we tearing them down? Let me really throw one at you. You ready for this? Y'all ain't ready for this. Are you ready for this? Are we building ourselves up or are we tearing ourselves down? Because, see, to be a minister of the grace of God, you first have to be a recipient of the grace of God. You've got to learn how to receive before you can truly give. You've got to learn how to receive that grace. You've got to learn how to receive that forgiveness. You've got to learn how to receive that love before you can give that love. You've got to understand that, listen, it's not you trying to help someone else to make yourself feel better. It's the fact that God has changed my perspective and that I have seen the truth of His grace and His mercy. And out of that that I have seen, out of that revelation, I can now reach out and I can help you because guess what? I get it and I believe in it. I get it. I'm a recipient of it. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you where I've come from. And let me tell you how I've overcome. Because I understand who I am in Christ. I understand the grace and the mercy of God. 
My mom used to sell everything there was to sell on the planet. If there was a catalog or a magazine or a club or something to do with points or getting other people hooked up with it, my mom was there. She did Tupperware. She did home interior. She did premier jewelry parties. She did all kinds of, you know, uh, magic gas pills that you put in your tank and it's supposed to give you a thousand miles to the gallon and all that crazy stuff. She did all that stuff. She, my mom would sell everything you could sell. But I remember there was this one stuff that my mom sold that was uh, this, this vitamin type uh, uh, drink that w- and, and my mom had some health problems at the time and this stuff really, really helped my mom. I mean, she, she obviously had a lot of changes because her health immediately got better. And so because of that, my mom began to sell that. But the perspective on this was a little different with the way that she would sell it. She was really successful in selling this stuff because guess what? She really believed in it. She really believed it worked. Why? Because she experienced it for herself. And she said, hey, listen, let me tell you what I used to have to deal with. This and this and this and this. She believed in that product and she went far in that company and did very well. Why? Because she believed in it. Listen, folks, how are we ever supposed to get people to believe that God loves them if we don't believe God loves us? How are we supposed to get people to believe that God's grace is sufficient for you when I don't believe it's sufficient for me because I still see myself as sorry and as a failure? How can I keep looking in the mirror and be disgusted with what I see and expect someone else to be encouraged and feel forgiven and have that weight lifted off their shoulders when I'm carrying around my own weight that I don't feel like God's forgiving me for? I've got to get it. I've got to be a recipient of it. I've got to get this through my head. I've got to have my perspective change. And I've got to understand that my identity is now wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Not in who I used to be. Not in my past. Not in my mistakes. Not in my failures. Not in all of that junk that everybody else would try to spread around town about me or try to label me as. Not what Facebook's saying about me. Some people get so wrapped up in some Facebook drama and they just need to let it go. Oh, and that's a sermon right there. (laughs) Let that Facebook drama go. Because ain't nobody got time for that. Right? Ain't got time for that. I, I don't have time to waste letting my life be wrapped up in a bunch of drama that is hurting me and holding me back. Because here's what happens when we do, folks. We begin to allow other people's opinions to influence the way that we feel about ourselves and how we see ourselves. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to be renewed in our minds because I'm never going to be able to move forward and walk in victory in my life until I begin to see myself like Jesus sees me. To become renewed in the spirit of our minds, we have to change what we think and what we allow to influence us. Somebody say allow. Allow. Oh, say it again. Allow. Allow. Oh, we got to change what we allow in our lives. Because let me tell you, if something is causing you to stumble or causing you to struggle in your life, quit allowing it. If that TV show is causing you to question your marriage because, oh, he's so handsome or, oh, she's so hot and I think they need to be treating me like that and it's causing you to question, stop allowing it. If those friends you're hanging out with make you feel like you're a terrible person, stop allowing it. If you're tired of getting caught up in the Facebook drama, stop allowing it. We were fine before Facebook. We will be fine after 
this too shall pass. I appreciate all the pictures of your animals and children that we get to see daily, and they're all wonderful. But let me tell you something, folks. If, if things like this are causing you to, to uh, read too deep into somebody's text message or into somebody's Facebook, stuff, you, you need to roll back for a minute, right? But, because let me tell you something. That is a tool that the enemy is trying to use to get you to have these knots in your stomach, to be rolling around in your bed, your mind's racing a thousand miles an hour, and you're losing sleep, and you're miserable because you're worried about what somebody posted about you or what that text message really meant. And you go show it to 20 different friends. What do you think this means? And you ain't sleeping because of it. We don't have time for that, Right? I mean, if, if, if it's causing me to stumble, I need to be careful what I allow to influence me. If I'm not at a place to where I can sort that stuff out and throw the good out, I mean, throw the bad out and just, just focus on those good things, if I can't do that and I can't sort that stuff out and this is causing a stumbling block in my life, I need to stop allowing it because it's keeping me back from seeing myself the way that God wants me to see myself. Let me show you some things that we need to be thinking about in Philippians chapter 4. And verse 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think over and over again on those things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these you need to do, and the God of peace is going to be with you. Change what you're allowing to influence your life. Find your identity in Christ. Not in what your coach said about you when you was in high school. Not what your mama or your daddy said about you that may have hurt you. Not what that friend or that family member spread about you or said about you. That's not what's going to define me. That's not what's going to chisel me and shape me. I'm going to allow myself to be redefined and allow my perspective to be shaped and changed and molded by Christ. Amen, somebody? Here's what we got to do, and I want you to write this down. This is my last point this morning. Find your value in Christ. You've got to find your value in Christ. And you've got to stop letting people put the sticker on you to tell you how much you're worth. My mom was a yard sale queen. I know I'm talking a lot about my mama today, but it's all good things. Matter of fact, my friends on the weekend would say, hey, Derek, you want to go play basketball? I said, no, I got to help my mom with the yard sale because she had a rotating yard sale. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I think there was a permit in town. You could only have like three. I think my mama didn't know there was a permit. But anyways, when we would go to stick those labels on stuff, we would write on the label, you know, how much we were going to sell this for. But now we all done got lazy because they don't even sell those stickers very much anymore because they got all the pre-printed stickers that you just look and go, oh, I really want $1.25 for that, but I got the sticker that says a dollar. Eh, that'll work. <laughs> and we just go, by, and, but here's the thing. We allow people to take those stickers and they just peel them off and they stick it on us. And we go, what was, oh, well, I guess, I guess they are right. I guess I am. I guess I am not, not a very good mom or very good dad or guess guess I am pretty sorry and you know sorry parent and 
Yeah, I guess, I guess so, because they put that sticker on me, they labeled me. Walking around with their little dynamo label maker, and they're typing all kinds of things about you, and slapping it on you, and you look at it, and you believe it. Or they're taking their little price gun, like, you know, they do when they mark stuff down at Walmart. And they walk by you, and they go, and you look down, and you go, huh, I guess they're right. Because nobody, nobody's dealing with what I'm dealing with. I'm alone in this boat. Nobody really knows what's going on. And so, yeah, I guess they are right. I guess I am pretty sorry. I guess I'm, I'm not very good. I guess I am worthless. When we begin to look at that, what we begin to do is we begin to worship other people's opinions of us. Don't give folks that kind of power. No, I'm going to say that again. Don't give folks that kind of power. Don't give them that kind of power to be able to walk around with their markdown gun and just put a sticker on you. And all of a sudden you just buy into it and you go, oh, well, I guess that must be what I'm worth. You have to find your value in Christ. Listen to me. Don't let your income level or your status at your job tell you how much you're worth. The title that's on your desk or if you ain't even got a job. Don't let that tell you how much you're worth. You were bought with a price. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. You're worth something. Listen to me. Don't let your socioeconomic status or the mistakes that you've made or your marital status or which version of the iPhone you have or what kind of car you drive determine your worth. We let this goofy stuff make us feel like we're somebody. I wear a certain kind of clothes. I drive a certain kind of car. What does that mean in the eyes of God? Nothing. Because you can be rolling up in your bins, wearing your finest of your finest, and the person that is starving in some third world country that loves Christ, he loves that person just as much as he loves you. You ain't no more special because of what you're wearing or what you're driving. Hello, somebody. And we need to get this perspective and quit allowing people and things to put value on us and begin to make us feel like we're finally worth something. I don't find my worth in things because things come and things go. There will be times where you're doing well and times maybe when you're struggling and maybe not doing so well. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. We try to prepare as best we can for other different kinds of scenarios, but things happen all of the time. That's why we can't let those things shape our value because what happens? when we have to sell the house what happens when i got to get rid of the car and realize listen it's more important that i have groceries in this fancy car right what do you do during those times all of a sudden your worth just gets completely just thrown in the garbage because you had your whole world wrapped up in those things or are you going to find your identity in christ because guess what folks it don't matter if you're on the mountain or if you're in the valley he's not going to leave you or forsake you you can always find value in christ amen it don't matter if you're soaring away in the best marriage or if it's on the rocks and you guys are trying to work things. It doesn't matter what's going on. You have to find your value in Christ. Don't identify in your struggle. Don't identify with your past. Don't identify with bitterness or unforgiveness or pain or anger or things that have defeated you in the past. Even things that were out of your control. Don't let catastrophes define you. Find your value and your worth in Christ. But we've got to get a new perspective. We have to see ourselves how God sees us. And here's what he says. If he says forgiven, then guess what? You're forgiven. Right? That's works. If he says healed, guess what he means? He means healed. If he says that you're new, 
He made all things new, then guess what he means? He means all things new. And it's going to cause a change in you when you allow what he's done on the inside to put on that new man and renew your mind to think and align yourself with the way God thinks and sees you and then what happened on the inside will begin to happen on the outside to where you get to a point to where you're so focused on God and you're so focused on Jesus Christ and his word and his truth as you begin to follow him and as you begin to serve him and you just want to get closer and closer to him and learn more and more about him and understand his grace and mercy more and love him more and more all of a sudden you'll find out things that you was dealing with all of a sudden you ain't dealing with that anymore and you go huh and you just keep on moving forward and you go, you know what, I used to struggle with this, but you know, I hadn't even had those thoughts in a long time. Huh. Because I'm focused on the right things, and I'm focused on what God has for me. And I'm not identifying myself with my past anymore. I want to share you, with you one more scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 20. He said, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. You were bought with a price. That price was the blood of Jesus. That price was Jesus' sacrifice because he loves you so much. And this is what I want you to leave here with today is that you are valuable to God. He loves you right where you're at. If you're in the middle of a garbage pile right now, he loves you right where you're at. He wants you right where you're at. If you're right in the middle of fear or anger, or depression, if you're right in the middle of struggling with addiction, if you're right in the middle of some big, huge storm, He wants you right where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. And He isn't walking around with that price gun clicking on you some type of discounted sticker because you're struggling right now oh you're not worth as much as you used to be to me I'm going to put the discount sticker on you he's not going by clicking the discount stickers on you folks matter of fact Jesus he, 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 he is walking by with his sticker gun and he's putting his price on you and telling you how much you're worth and when you look down at it you want to know what it says it says Jesus that's what he thinks you're worth thinks you're worth his only son he's walking by I just want you to close your eyes just for a minute you need to get this you need to let this get out of something you're just hearing on a Sunday morning you need to let this get down in your heart this morning Jesus is walking by I want you to just picture this and this, this is this is what he thinks you're worth he's walking by with, with his little sticker gun he's sticking you with it and you're going what is this he's telling you how much you're worth and you look down and it says Jesus that's what he thinks you're worth you're, you're worth Jesus Christ coming to this earth and living a sinless life and being crucified on a cross. That, that's what you're worth. He wants you to live in victory, not fear. He wants you to rest. Some of you guys, y'all just need to take a breath and you need to rest in the goodness of God. And you need to trust in Him. And quit trying to figure everything out yourself and make something happen. You need to follow God's direction. You need to follow God's peace with the decisions that you are making right now.
You can try to put pen to paper. You can try to do this or do that. But listen, you've got to follow God's direction. You've got to follow His peace. You've got to follow that. And then rest in His goodness and be confident in Jesus on the inside of you. Rest in that and be confident. Be confident in the fact that Christ in me, the hope of glory. Be confident in that. And identify with that. And see yourself that way because that's the gospel truth. And if you embrace it and if you let it influence the way that you think and the way that you view yourself, guess what you'll do when you embrace that truth? The Word of God says you will know the truth and the truth will make you what? It'll make you free. It'll make you free from that worry. It'll make you free from that fear. From that feeling disappointed and feeling like you're a failure coulda, shoulda, woulda, all these different things. But you you got to let that stuff go, and you've got to start today living your life in Christ, hidden in Christ, seeing yourself the way God sees you. If you would, just bow your head and close your eyes this morning. If you're in this place, you say, I'm ready to take that step, Pastor Derek. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I'm ready to take that step to find my value in Christ. To make that decision to allow my life to be changed from the inside out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward or anything like that. All I want you to do while everybody's got their head bowed and their eyes closed, I just want you to just simply raise your hand and let me know you're here because I want to pray for you. Anybody in this place? I see those hands all over this room. I see your hands. You can put them down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for taking that step to lift your hands. I appreciate that. And I saw your hand, but let me tell you, it's more important that God sees your hand because he's looking at your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. I don't know everything you're dealing with. I don't know everything that's going on in your life, but God does, and he cares. Even those little things, those minute details in your life that you may not think interest God, he cares about all of those things. The Bible said he knows every hair upon your head. He knows how many you got. Some of you, he might know a little bit better than others. (laughs) But let me tell you, He knows you, and He wants you, and He cares about those small things in your life that you may not think are a big deal. So if you raise your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. And to help me out, church, would you just pray along with me this morning? Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I say what you did on the cross was good enough to forgive me and to make me right with God. So I ask you to come into my heart make all things new and I commit the rest of my life to following you and giving you everything that you're worthy of in Jesus name Amen would you look back up here for a moment if you said that prayer today